Welcome back to our final week for our annual Mission and Vision series. And I don't know about you, but haven't we been blessed to, again, review how it is that we sink our roots deep into Jesus and enjoy that Spirit's fruit that he offers, uh, real life. And we're going to see the same today as we review the Go Root, uh, this beautiful privilege, and it is a privilege to share the good news that you know of Jesus the world that's dying to know it. Uh, we're going to have for our theme passage, 2 Corinthians 4.13, uh, we believe, therefore we speak. Uh, that'll guide us in our conversation here. Let's begin with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Well, when you think about evangelism, maybe you think about evangelists, and if you go back to the 20th century, you would find the Reverend Billy Graham, arguably uh, the greatest evangelist from that century. I, I was reminded of a story in preparing for the message about uh, Reverend Billy Graham. Uh, obviously, a lot of speaking engagements, and one uh, instance in particular, he was picked up in a limousine, and he was really impressed and amazed and humbled by that not feeling worthy to travel around in a limousine. And so as he was thinking, as that limo driver was getting out and opening the door for me, he asked if maybe they could just switch places. Um, he told the chauffeur, he's like, look, I, I'm so privileged to be able to, to speak and have this engagement here. And I know you work so hard and you, you, you drive so many people around. Maybe I could give you the night off. Why don't you, you enjoy your evening in the back and I'll drive to our destination. I know where we're headed. And how do you say no to the Reverend Billy Graham? So the chauffeur driver jumps in the back and off they go. Uh, but uh, apparently Billy Graham had a lead foot. So not too long after he was pulled over and this is how the story goes. Uh, the police officer came up, knocked on the limousine window, rolled down, he said, license and registration, please. And then all of a sudden he noticed this is the Reverend Billy Graham. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, um, Pastor Graham, I, I, I didn't know that was you. And then kind of the light bulb went on. And you see where this is going? <laughs> Billy Graham here, chauffeur driver, who's in the back? Is that, is that Jesus in the back? Is this the end? Are you <laughs> bringing in the last day? I think about that story, and I envy Billy Graham to be known for such a life as he had. I, and I, this, is, this is my desire. And, and for our faith life, isn't it what you desire to? Don't you want to be so known for Jesus that if for whatever reason one day you're driving a limousine and if you got pulled over, that people would wonder, is Jesus in the back? That's what I want. And, and I'm not there yet. But I want to be. I, I want that to be my legacy I leave for my kids. I, I want them, when they think of me, to just think that he, he was all about Jesus and not because I'm anything like Jesus. Oh, so far short of being perfect. But because I so need his grace and know I have it. And I want to be known for just speaking about our need for Jesus and that he's here for us and his love for us, something the world needs. How about you? you know, at the end of our days, don't you want your obituary to read that way? Known for Jesus. Known for all these other cool things too or whatever, but known for Jesus. To leave that as a legacy for your family, for your friends, 
And to realize what kind of impact that would have for future generations. We'll talk about that more toward the end. This is the beauty of the go route. Uh, that to dedicate our life to see is our highest calling, no matter what callings we have, whether we're husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, friends, to know that in, in it all, we're, we're to be Jesus to others and we're to share the good news about Jesus in every action and word. Um, that is the beauty of the go route. That is life. But if it's been a while since we've really focused on this privilege, as I'll admit, it, it is for me, I don't think about the go route from day to day necessarily or week to week or month to month. Um, there can be a lot of time that can go by before I realize, oh, maybe I haven't really shared the love of Jesus like I could. So I'm going to start off with this message and maybe ask this first uh, thought or at least emphasize this first truth. It is necessary to do evangelism. You know, if God's people, God forbid, would stop sharing the name of Jesus, then the world would be lost. The world could not be saved if people like us who know Jesus don't, don't share Jesus. Uh, and my question for us really is next, and if you're filling in the blank, I want you to wrestle with this throughout the message. Are we convinced are we convinced that evangelism, that go root, is critical, essential, it's necessary, that we must have people share the good news of Jesus? Not because we have to, but because what else is there? And because we get to, and because it's a glorious thing, literally giving eternal life to others. Are we convinced of that? I got a couple passages that I'd love to share with you to show that this was the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist of all time, I would argue, uh, whose work continues to resonate to this day. Well, of course, all glory to God. In Romans um, chapters 14 or 10 and verse 14 and in verse 17, we find this truth here. Paul reminds us, how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them or sharing to them? Ah, for faith comes from hearing the message, and that, that message is the good news about Jesus. And, and the message is heard through the word of Christ, the scripture. And what is that beautiful message? Well, Jesus says it this way in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And within 24 hours, he would prove the why he would die. And within three days, he would prove the certainty of that truth he would rise. I don't know if we can say this enough today, that evangelism is essential. It's essential. We must be convinced of this because so many aren't. Even among God's professed people. I was startled about a month ago. Someone shared this uh, stat with me from Christianity Today. Maybe uh, fill in the blank here. 56% of evangelicals, uh, evangelical, not just a political uh, group, obviously Christians that are named evangelicals. And here's the irony with the stat. Evangelical literally means one who shares the gospel. That's what evangelical means. Um, it's reported that 56% of evangelicals, they reject that Christ is the only cure. Uh, specifically, it reads this way. 
56% of evangelical respondents affirm that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That's up from 42% just two years ago. That's in direct opposition to Jesus' words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I get it. In our day and age, it seems intolerant, it seems unloving, but it is the truth. And I want to just uh, explain a little bit, maybe in an illustration, why Jesus, is not, he's not being arrogant, and he's surely not being unloving by saying, I, I am the way. There is no one else. I mean, maybe in this illustration here, and I use it already with the cure. You know, sin is a sickness. Um, in, in, in the Bible, it, it often... Uh, uses that illustration that I mean, it brings suffering and heartache and death. And, and we think about illness. Illness is what puts us on the path of dying physically. Uh, some speak of it in terms of the leprosy of sin, right? That's a disease. Now, if we think of what has infected all of us, no matter if we're Christian or other, if we think about sin and how devastating it is from the scriptures we see, it is the reason we all die. It is the reason why there's so much heartache and, and brokenness, whether from natural disasters like Hurricane Ian or broken relationships in our homes. Sin is the root cause. Well, there's really only two ways that you can address an illness. You can either address it through diet and exercise, something you do. Uh, you think of maybe type 2 diabetes for some they can address that through diet and exercise. But then there are other diseases and illnesses that you can't treat with diet and exercise. From polio to certain forms of cancer, you just need treatment. You need something to be given to you. Think of this. All world religions, this is why they fall short. It's not because we're better and they're not or... God somehow doesn't love them. God gave Jesus for everyone. But every world religion rejects the cure and prescribes works, diet and exercise. Generally, it's some kind of religious diet. Refrain from this, only eat that. And have these belief disciplines. Pray so many times a day. Uh, walk so many steps. Go on so many pilgrimages. Be better than bad. Do more good than evil. And somehow, maybe it'll work out for you. Diet and exercise. But praise God, and we just read, Jesus, he says it doesn't work. Sin is so deep, so insidious, it's, it's so sick that only God can provide a cure. And God did. And the Bible has been consistent. Since Adam and Eve fell into sin, God said, I have an antidote I will give one who will not be tainted with sin. He will be my son. And he will accomplish what you cannot to give you the cure. And think of this. God demands that we be perfect in perfection that harbors life. God is perfect. He is life. Sin divorces from life. And so God says, I will give you perfection as a gift through the one who earns it in your place, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who is unlike any other. And about the payment, what is killing us, the wages of sin is death. 
Jesus says, I will pay that death for you. And that's exactly what he did on the cross. And you know the story. He suffered there our death, being separated completely, absolutely so. And as the eternal son of God, eternal hell in that moment, what we owe God. And because Jesus alone provides perfection and the full payment for our sin because he's worth more than all creation, we have life. We have the cure. We have grace. And he proved it three days after his death. He rose. His grave is still empty. You compare that to all other religious founders of all other faiths, They're in their graves. That proves that their prescription doesn't work. But Christ does. And then we ask, how can 56% of so-named Christians believe that there's another way? There isn't. Because it's impossible to be saved unless God provides a cure. And he has. He has. Notice this. The Bible speaks this way. I've got a couple more passages to again show us how privileged we are by his grace. Paul says this in Romans 3. He says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified, declared not guilty, freely by his grace, his love. How? Through the buying back, the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Yes, we maintain that a person is justified, declared not guilty, by faith, by trust apart from diet and exercise, works of the law. And then he sums it up well, Romans 6.23. Something to keep in mind whenever you're sharing the truth. The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift is something you cannot earn. It's given out of love. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we're convinced, aren't we? There is truly only one way. We're not being arrogant We're just speaking about reality, and this is the truth. And it's for all people. Having been convinced, what's the next hurdle that maybe keeps us from fully engaging others with the hope that we have? I I think of, well, one of the things, and this kind of speaks to the next truth, how we do evangelism, what it takes to get evangelism done. Uh, One thing, I I think we get caught up and fill in the blanks here about the what. What would I say and how much do I need to know? And I'm not trained like maybe the pastors are, uh, the teachers are, those who have spent years studying the scripture. Uh, I'm not qualified and maybe when the call goes out, uh, we'll depend on the outreach committee, evangelism committee or whatever. But it's just, we get caught up in the what. But praise God, it's not about the what you know, but the who. As cliche as that might sound, it's true. It's about the who you know. Uh, Sharing the gospel is about speaking of your love for Jesus, who is your redeemer, your friend. Uh, I think about today, like a lot of people, right, go Packers, and they're playing overseas, and many of them are watching the game right now, which, do you want any highlights, any updates? I could give it no, maybe someone, don't, don't tell me the score. I'll watch it when I get home. Um, if you are a, a Packer fan, and if you love the Packers, you can kind of be, well, all kinds of different fans are out there. You could be a fan that knows all the stats, right? 
I mean, you could be the, the, the person that knows every person that's on the roster and for the entire history of the Packers every year, and you could know how many touchdowns Aaron Rodgers has thrown in his career. Now, you might think, ah, okay, that's a Packer fan, and if they're going to convert anyone else, maybe the, you have to know that. But, I mean, just living in Wisconsin, you're a Packer fan already, right? You don't have to know anything about football, and how many fans don't really know about football or even who the quarterback is, even though that might be difficult. But they still love the Packers. They still go to the games. They still enjoy family time. And it's their way of life in a certain sense. That's exactly how it is for Christians. Yeah, you could know all the books of the Bible and have all these passages memorized, but that doesn't give you any more advantage at just sharing the faith in somebody who just knows Jesus even though they might not be able to find the book of Matthew. You know what you need to know. We, we just shared. You have the cure. Don't be afraid. Share. And if somebody objects and somebody has a really compelling argument of why you shouldn't be a Christian, don't let your faith get shaken over that, but do dedicate to finding the answer. In fact, think of that as a great opportunity. Wow, you've got some cool thoughts. I've never thought that way. Come and see Jesus. <laughs> Let's go find the answers. I know a bunch of people at 922 Ministries that might be able to help us. You don't have to be afraid. The truth does not have to be afraid. All right, so let's, let's get right to it then. Let's talk about um, that inspiration that gives us the one that we already know and why it is that you don't have to be qualified in any sense other than knowing him. 2 Corinthians 4.13 it's our theme passage there. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. Notice it wasn't like, I've been trained. I've gone to school for so many years. They actually called me to this place, or we have a committee that gives us the credentials. No, you believe, you know, and so you speak. So how? How do we do this? Because I think that's the next biggest question. Let's talk about the how-to evangelism. I've got one thought here, and I think maybe we don't think through this, but this should be such an encouragement. Here's one great way to begin the evangelism process. We can witness as much by our actions as by our words. Uh, Jesus uh, shared this with his disciples the night before he died. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. In another place, he says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I, I think we forget that it makes a difference how genuine and generous we get to be in Christ to outshine anyone else in the world. Yeah, I mean, everyone can love those who love them, but we Christian people, we can be generous and love those who do not love us, even our enemies, even strangers. And if you've ever met somebody, and, and you yourselves, you know when you've been overly generous, how that really changes someone, touches someone, and they want to know well, why. Why are you so different? Why do you care when nobody else does? Ah, they're asking you to evangelize. You can say, because when Jesus died on the cross, I didn't deserve that. Oh, but I know a God who is so generous. He supplies all I need and all, all the more. Can I share with you about him? 
If we love more than others and are generous more than others, people will see that and people will, will be jealous for what we have and we can give it away for free. So don't count out your actions. And that leads to being able to share the hope in your words. Let's go on to the next one, number two. Uh, I'm thinking about that. That's John 13 we just read, but maybe kind of write that in there. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another, right, in your actions. But the second thing, uh, we'll look for a particular target audience and how to evangelism. Uh, we'll look for the down and the out, the down and out. Uh, we we want to evangelize. We want to share the good news with everybody we can for sure. And that's what Jesus did to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to a rich young ruler, to his hometown, but they rejected him outright. Most of all of them wanted nothing to do with Jesus. So prepare yourself. Even Jesus got rejected. I even crucified him for evangelizing. So you're in good company. But notice Jesus, who did he really win over? Who did he go extra lengths for? A broken woman at a well who had messed up five or more relationships. A woman caught in adultery who was about ready to be stoned to death. A tax collector still in his tax booth. Right? A fisherman who knew how messed up he was and said, you don't want to be around me, Lord. And Jesus said, no, I do. It is you that I've sought. I think of Jesus' words here. In Mark chapter 2, 17, when people were offended by his love for the lost, he said this, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If you're keeping a list, I would encourage you of people that you could reach out to. For sure, everybody. But be intentional about reaching out to those who are in rock bottom moments. The people who maybe are in, in such brokenness, we'd feel un uncomfortable being around. The addicts in this life, the, the people who have gone through, again, relationship after relationship after relationship, who are down and out, they are ripe for the gospel. So be targeted in the ones who you see and perceive need it the most. Go after them. And then last, let's talk about how we want to be intentional. We'll be intentional which, isn't it true, isn't that the case for anything that we want to succeed at? Um, if we want to be good at something, it takes planning. It takes some forethought. Uh, and and I, I want to encourage you in this. Maybe you have to rehearse some thoughts as you picture the person you want to reach out to in your life. Maybe rehearse how it could go and rehearse the worst case scenario that they hate you and will never talk to you again. I've never really experienced that. But play it out through your head and be at peace. God has called you to this. And maybe just ask questions. I remember that from a missionary. I was privileged to hear a presentation from. When he's talking about evangelizing. Now, this was an evangelist. We're not all evangelists. I'm not. But he, like, he was just gifted, wired for speaking about. He could turn any conversation into, like, he's, he's at the grocery store. The cashier's like, hey, do you want plastic or paper? And he's like, I got a question for you. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? I'm <laughs> like, well, okay. But he could pull it off. He could ask questions like that. Every time he was on a plane, he was determined to witness. And could you imagine that? You show up. How many times have you gotten on a plane? You're just, I just want to sleep. 
please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. He would talk to them. He would open up his Bible and he would say, hey, by the way, I'm so-and-so. I'm a Christian pastor. I love Jesus. Uh, what, what do you think about God? What's your religion? And this was his patent answer after every time they would respond, if it wasn't the Christian faith. They might say, well, I'm such and such. He'd play like a Columbo. <laughs> and he would say, um, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. How, can you say that? Like, I am such and such a faith. And he was like, I'm so sorry to hear. <laughs> and then he would apologize. I, I didn't mean it like that, but I meant that must be difficult because through all these works and through all the things that you're prescribed, only then maybe, maybe will you be saved. That must be a hard life. It's true. He says, that's why I love Jesus because I know I, I can't come near to God's requirements, but he's saved me by grace. And he saved you too. I mean, just that little stone in the shoe. And who knows how many those seeds planted, how many of those seeds have borne life. But, but, but maybe we could just start that way, which is questions. In relationships where there's trust, you can just ask them, hey, I've been thinking about God a lot. You ever think about God? What do you think? And let them talk and let them share their thoughts. Because as they answer, they're going to feel obligated to ask, well, what do, you, what do you think? You're one of those Christians, right? <laughs> and you can share. They will ask you to witness. So be intentional. Think about Peter's words here. Peter who said in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope you have. You don't have to have all the answers, but be ready to respond with anyone who might ask. I want to just encourage you then with one last thought. I want you to know it works. It works. The go root produces fruit. It works. You're all proof. You ever think of that? You are the product of the go root. You're sitting in the pews that you're in. You're listening to the service that you're part of now. You're, you're hearing this wonderful message again about grace because someone risked themselves so that you could be here, whether with you directly or through your parents or ancestors way back when. But someone thought it would be better that I should suffer than that you would go without life. That's true for the Monday family. I know many of you have heard the story before, but it just, it amazes me how God works because we should not be saved. My dad was in a religion and was lost, and it was prescription works and diet, and he had fallen far short. And I remember searching with, with my dad, and we were going to different churches, and we just, we were lost. And we go to a family reunion, and I don't know if it was at the time for lunch when my dad was scarfing down some potatoes and fried chicken with his cousin Jerry, childhood friend as well, and he had that relationship, and he just said, we are lost. We don't know where to turn. And God put it in my dad's cousin's heart to just say, well, why don't you come and see? Come to our church. And, and that's a sister congregation of this one in Cincinnati, Ohio. And six months later, we were baptized. And after that, after my dad had been instructed and came to know Jesus, he was baptized, and the rest is history. And three generations of Mondays, probably too many of us, 
we, we know Jesus because of that conversation, that one invitation. It could have gone the other way, but it works. And I know you have the same story in your family lives. So, throw caution to the wind. Just tell the hope that you have and enjoy the Spirit's fruit. May God give us all such a go root as that. Amen.